You're listening to Reaching 39180, a sermon series about reaching our local community. For more information about Elevate Church, please visit us online at www.elevatechurch.ms. All right, what's up, Elevate? We doing good? Yeah? Yeah. Look at the person sitting next to you and tell them they sure look happy today. Yeah, yeah. And it must be because they're sitting by you, right? 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 Tell them they're blessed. Hey, if you don't know me, my name is Robert Andrews, one of the pastors here at Elevate Church, and I'm so glad that you are joining us today. It's a very special Sunday, very special Sunday. It is Mother's Day. Mother's Day. How many moms we got in the room? You got to stand. If you're a mom, stand, stand, stand. Let's give it up for all these moms, right? You guys deserve a million thank yous. You may be seated. You may be seated. I'm blessed to have my mother here today. I was a little jealous. My mom bought my, my sister something uh, for Mother's Day and didn't buy me anything. So I'm kind of mad about that. But in the words of the great theologians, you know, boys to men, Mama, Mama, you know I love you. Anybody heard that song? Come on. Mama, see, I, my, your sister, my daughter, your daughter's not going to sing to you like that. I did. Anyway, I love you more than her, Mom. Uh, but I'm glad you're here. We love moms. Glad y'all are here. Celebrate moms today. Make sure you tell her that you love her. The second reason it's a real exciting day is because this is Baptism Sunday. We've got several people who are going to take their next step in their walk with Christ, and they're going to do what Christ has commanded them to do, and they are going to be baptized. And so I'm super excited about that, and I'm glad that you are here. Well, we are in a series that we are titling 39180. We're talking about reaching Vicksburg, reaching Vicksburg. Last week, we talked about the fact how that is our responsibility. It is our God-given responsibility. Remember what Jesus says about you and says about me in Matthew chapter 5, verse 13? He says, you are the salt of the earth. Look at the person sitting next to you and say, You're, you sure are salty. Tell them. Yeah. Yeah, they're salty, right? But not in the sense that the world uses that word now. It doesn't mean that they're the mean people of the earth or they're the upset people of the earth or they're the fussy people of the earth. Jesus says, you know what? You and I are supposed to go and add flavor to this world. The world desperately needs us. Not only are we supposed to add flavor to the world, but you know what? We're supposed to create a thirst in the lives of people we come into contact with. We are to create a hunger and a thirst for God and His righteousness. Then we're also supposed to make an impact. That is our mission. We are the salt of the earth. And so we talked about the mission last week. This week, we're going to talk about the movement. The movement, that's what we're going to talk about. So how many of you have ever moved? You've ever moved in your life once or twice? Maybe you've, you've moved. Uh, in 2012, Amanda and I, our family at the time, it just had, we just had Sadie Kate and we just had Brianna Grace. Brianna Grace is my oldest, Sadie Kate, she's now my middle child. But we had Brianna Grace and Sadie Kate, and so uh, within the span of really like, you know, uh, four months, we, we moved twice. We moved twice, and it was, it, was really, it was really rough. And I remember when we moved from the first house, Brianna Grace, she was so upset. She was mad because we had friends that lived 
she had friends that lived right next door to her. She had a treehouse in the backyard. She had a trampoline, and man, she, she was so upset. But we move into this other house where we think we we're at least going to be there for six months. We thought we were going to be there for a while, uh, but it turns out we really had to move uh, pretty, pretty fast. I mean, after she had just unpacked some of her toys, after she had just unpacked some of her dolls, you know, again, we had to move. And so we finally found us a house in Bovina. We moved to Bovina. And as soon as we moved in and after we got everything unpacked, I remember Brianna Grace, she came up to me and she said, you know, Daddy, is this going to be our permanent home? And see, I knew what that meant. Uh, I knew what that meant. I knew that what she was really saying is, I'm tired of moving, Daddy. I'm tired of just getting comfortable. I'm, try- I'm tired of getting my dolls out. I'm tired of getting my toys out and then just having to box them all up and move again. And I really can. I can empathize with her because I know what it's like to follow somebody who more often than not will tap you on the shoulder and whisper in your ear and say, it's time to move. It's time to move. I know what it's like to follow somebody who is very unpredictable, who Sometimes just when you get settled and sometimes when you just get comfortable, he'll say, son, it's, it's time to move. See, there have been many times in my own life where I have looked up to God and I've said, God, is this going to be my permanent place? Is this going to be my permanent position? Is this going to be my permanent situation? Is this going to be my permanent income? Is this going to be the permanent thing? And all I get from God is, Robert, it's time to move. See, I started my journey with God several years ago, almost 20 years ago, and I remember back in 1995 when when I was saved. The night I was saved, I, I knew God was calling me to preach, but I was like, baby steps, God, let's slow this relationship down. You know what I mean? I'll just start going to church pretty regular. I'll start reading my Bible pretty regular. I'll start praying pretty regular. regular. I'll start really living out the Word kind of regularly, and God said, oh, no. You're supposed to preach. But I thought, you don't understand, God, I don't, I don't want to preach. I've, I've seen preachers, and I, I, all the preachers I know, they're weird people. You know what I mean? They got weird haircuts. They dress weird, and they even talk weird. Young people want to listen to me. You ever heard them say that stuff? I always wondered if that's how they talked when they got home with their wife. Hey, honey, could you bring me some sweet tea? Uh, but I mean, you know, I mean, I just thought preachers were weird. I was like, God, I don't want to be one of those, those guys. But all I heard God say was Robert. It's time to move. I want you to preach. So I thought, well, God, I'll show you. I'll show you just how bad you really don't need me preaching. I'll show you how bad I really can be at this. And I remember my, my mama's church. They, they were in Brandon, Mississippi, and they asked me to come and preach one Sunday night. And so I got up there, and I preached, and I was preaching on Jesus walking on water, man. And I preached, and I preached, and I preached, and I preached, and I preached about everything that I knew and everything I didn't know. You know what I mean? I just made stuff up. And so I preached and preached and preached. And after about three minutes, man, there was this baby, this kid out in the crowd, and they threw up. You know what I'm saying? And I'm preaching, I'm preaching on focusing on Jesus and how Peter was able to walk on water as long as he kept his focus on Jesus. I'm preaching on focus. And when that kid threw up, I lost focus. The preacher of the church literally had to come up there and bail me out. But I thought, see, God, I ain't got no business preaching. My preaching makes people throw up. I don't know how many people can really say that. But he said, no, I want you to preach. 
So I said, fine. And I, I, remember, I remember I got a phone call from another Baptist church. They wanted me to come, and they wanted me to be their, their youth pastor, but I was kind of hesitant. But, but God said, I want you to take that position. And so I took that position, and, and I thought, man, this is really bad. This is really bad because I'm now in charge of people. I don't even like to be responsible for myself. You know what I mean? And so God said, no, I want you to do this. So I did it, and I was there a little less than a year, and I was having fun doing, I was having fun doing youth ministry. And the youth ministry, they they grew to about 30 teens, 30 teens, and it was, it was amazing. It was amazing. I was getting comfortable. I was getting used to it, but then I felt God saying, it's time to move. It's time to move, and it's time to move. I've got something more for you, and that's really the key word. Every time God called me to move, he was calling me to something more. He said, he said, I want you to, to move, but I have something more. And, and I thought, God, I'm just getting used to this. I'm just really figuring out what it is that I need to do. But God said, I want you to move. I've got something more. And so I got a phone call from a church in Vicksburg, Mississippi. I got a phone call from a church in Vicksburg, and they wanted me to come, and they wanted me to be their associate pastor, and they wanted me to be their youth pastor, kind of a combined position. And I said, okay, God, if this is what you want me to do, that's, that's what I'll do. And so I left a youth group of about 30 kids to come to a church where the entire church had less than 30 people on a good Sunday. You know what I mean? And so uh, I was like, man, uh, if this is what you want me to do, though, God, I'll do it. And I remember I drove every Wednesday and every Sunday from Florence, Mississippi, all the way to Vicksburg an hour there and an hour back every Wednesday. And on Sunday mornings, I would drive over an hour and we would have morning church and I would stay there in the, just in the parking lot sometimes. Or I would go and sit by the river all afternoon because I didn't have anywhere else to go. I didn't have a home here. I didn't have anywhere else to go until we came back for our night service. And we would have the night service and I would drive back to my college late at night and I did it all for a whopping $100 a week. I was getting paid, right? Man, I was spending all my money in gas. That's really what was going on. So I had to get a job at Mazio's Pizza, man. I was preaching on Sundays, preaching on Wednesdays, and making pizza on Mondays. You know what I'm saying? That's what I was doing. I was working it out. I was working it out, and, and that's what I did. But I just realized, you know what I mean, that, that, that when God calls us to do something, he's really calling us to something more. But when he calls us to move, it's usually painful. At first, I mean, $100 a week, that's pretty painful, right? <laughs> pretty painful, but you kind of adjust. And that's what I did. I adjusted, and so I was at that church for, for 10 years, really over 10 years, and that church grew. We grew from about less than 30 people to close to 200, and it was great. I met a lot of people, met a lot of friends. I, I, I really settled into this town with my wife and uh, two kids. We had two kids, and we had a third kid, and it really was great. We got comfortable, you know, and here comes God. It's time to move. Really, that in the church I was at, they basically threw me out. That's what happened. But anyway, God says, look, Robert, I want you to start a church. And I thought, well, God, I don't know how to start a church. You know, I thought churches just always existed. You know what I mean? I don't really know how that does. So, God, you certainly don't want me to do that. And God said, no, I want you to start a church. And so I remember I got a piece of paper and I got a pen. And I said, okay, God, you want me to start a church? Tell me exactly how to do it. Give me the details. And I, I'm going to write it down. And he said, just do it. I said, yeah, yeah, that's what I'm, I'm about to write it down. You just tell me what to do. Tell me, God, I'm going to do it. He said, just do it. And, and again, God called me to something more, something more, and it was painful at first. 
So we were meeting in a, in a restaurant on Sunday mornings. We were meeting at a restaurant on Sunday mornings, and, and people were coming, and they were inviting people, and those people were coming, and those people were staying. And so the, the church grew. The church grew. We were getting comfortable. And then God said, it's time to move. It's time to move. We outgrew that facility. It's like, well, God, where are we going to go? This isn't even our, our place. We're just meeting here in this restaurant because the restaurant is closed on Sunday. So they're really just letting us do this. So where are we going to go? And so we went to Beachwood Elementary School, Beachwood Elementary School, and it was great, you know what I mean, because the rent was really low. The rent was really low. We were paying $100 a week, you know what I mean? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. But it was good because the church didn't have any money. Church didn't have any money. You know how I told you that other church paid me $100 a week when I first got started? Man, Elevate didn't get, they didn't pay me nothing. You want to talk about painful? I mean, but we were meeting at a school and everything was great. But then God said, Robert, it's time to move. So you were being kicked out of the school. We were being forced to move somewhere else, and it was painful. It was painful, but God had something more, and God sent us here to this location he sent us here to this place and we have grown we've grown we have nearly 300 people uh, on a Sunday I don't know how many people are here today uh, but here's the deal I'm starting to feel God say it's time to move it's time to move it's time to move I think God is telling Elevate Church he's telling Elevate Church look it's time for something more because really there's this kingdom movement that God wants you to be a part of, that he wants me to be a part of, that he wants each and every one of us to be a part of. And this kingdom movement is not just about coming to church on a Sunday morning. This kingdom movement is about going out into our community and transforming our community and transforming our culture into what it in what God wants it to be. It's a movement that's bigger than you, and it's bigger than me. And God says, Robert, that's why every time you get comfortable, I come to you, and I tap you, and I tell you to move. Because I haven't called you to be comfortable. I've called you to build my kingdom. And my kingdom requires movement. See, I think sometimes some of us are frustrated with God because God wants us to be a part of his movement but sometimes we just don't want to move amen we just don't want to move you got to pack up all that stuff we're comfortable here God we don't want to move and some of us again we we are frustrated because God wants us to move but we're comfortable in our own bitterness God wants us to forgive but we're comfortable hanging on to bitterness God wants us to be generous but some of us are so comfortable in our own selfishness some Sometimes God says, look, I want you to move and I want you to serve. But some of us are so comfortable only serving ourselves. Listen to me. Life is not about your comfort. It's not. Because you can spend all your time and all of your energy and all of your efforts trying to make your life comfortable and be greatly comfortable living in your comforts and find yourself living comfortably but living outside of God's will and way for your life you can he says seek ye first his kingdom seek ye first his kingdom and he will take care of your needs one of the problems with a lot of us is that we spend so much time seeking first our comfort and because of that, we always have needs. Again, God said, seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added on 
to you. So we don't need to be chasing our comfort. We need to be looking up to heaven and asking God, God, how can I be a part of this kingdom movement that you have? And when you and I say that, God will look back at us. When we ask God, again, how can I be a part of this movement? God will look at you and he'll look at me and he'll say, if you want to be a part of my movement, when I move, you move. Just like that. When I move, you move. Just y'all, man, y'all, some of y'all don't know what I'm talking about. When I move, you move. That's how you are a part of the movement of God. But oftentimes, we refuse to move when God is moving. We do. We refuse to move. We miss the movement of God because we're so comfortable. Again, God says, I want you to be a part of my movement. But it requires your moving. And there isn't anything mysterious about the movement of God. God has clearly given us details about what this movement looks like. And the movement, it elevates. It's not just to be a church and not just be a church in this city. It's to be a part of a movement that transforms our earth. And in order for that to happen, in order for us to really be a movement... What that means is we have to be moved by what moves God. We have to be moved by what moves God. And so I want to I show you three things about this movement that God has for you and has for me and has for us. If you're keeping notes, you want to write them down. The first thing that I want you to see is that God's movement, the movement, involves a vision for the lost. It involves a vision for the lost. In Matthew chapter 9, starting in verse 35, I want you to see what the Bible says here. It says this, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful. But the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his field. So what does Jesus say right there? Jesus says, hey, look, I've been around. I've traveled through all the towns. I've traveled through all of the villages. And I see hurting, lost people. They are like sheep without a shepherd. They are wandering around. They are lost. And it has moved me to compassion. The question that each and every one of us need to ask ourselves this morning is, are we moved by lost people? When you go on your daily walk, does your heart break for lost people? Or are you a found person who has found people who are found people who are content with hanging out with only other found people? Does that make sense? What? Are we found people who have found people who are other found people who are only content with hanging out with found people? Have you and I lost compassion for those who are walking in darkness and walking outside of God's will and way for their life? Have we lost compassion for people who are living their life in guilt 
and shame because you and I need to be telling people they don't have to leave their way, but that live that way because of the work of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who bled and died on Calvary's cross to free them from their shame and their past. They don't have to live that way. When you see people like that, do you, does your heart break for them? Do you have eyes to see them, ears to hear them, arms to reach for them again? Jesus says, we're the salt of the earth. After Jesus says that we're the salt of the earth, in Matthew chapter 5, he says something else. Look at what he says in verse 14 of Matthew chapter 5. They're going to put the words on the screen. Jesus says, you're the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp. And put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. What's that mean? What's that mean? It means we can't just sit here on a Sunday morning and have our light. We can't just have our, our light. Now, that's not what God's calling us to do. That's not what God has for his church, we are the light. Like, like anybody, everybody know what this is? It's a flashlight, right? Yep. You know what this is? It's a flashlight. Yeah, it's a flashlight. Okay, so watch this. So this flashlight really doesn't, I mean, it's pretty bright, right? I'm not going to shine in your eyes because you'd be like, it's bright, right? Y'all still with me? Okay. Whew. All right, just making sure. But this light, it, it doesn't really do much in this room. Why? Because there's already light in this room, right? Because it's already, it's already light in this room. But watch this. Everybody, everybody stay in your seat. Everybody, you ready for this? Y'all ready? Yeah, we're going to turn the lights out. We're going to turn the lights out. They're going to try to put some, oh, ooh. Y'all see, y'all see how dark it is? Y'all see how dark it is? So watch this. You, you, know, you know what a flashlight, you know what you can do with a flashlight in the dark? Do you like scary movies? Huh? Hey, when you're a kid, don't you do stuff like that? You like try to cover up the light and make your hand glow. Anybody know? I can't see if you're raising your hand, but you know what I'm talking about. We do all kinds of weird stuff with a flashlight. But, but really, what does a light do? A light takes away darkness, right? Like over there in that corner right there, it's dark. But if I shine this light there, guess what? I can see Light makes darkness move. Light makes darkness run. And you and I are the light of the earth. That means we're going to shine the brightest in dark places. You and I say, hey, you know what? Darkness is over there. Darkness, you don't have any business being here. Darkness, you don't have any dominion here. Darkness, you've got to leave because we are the light of the world. That's what Jesus says about you and says about me. We're supposed to expel the darkness. You can bring the lights back up. Everybody's like, I was getting so scared. Somebody might stole my wallet. I don't know. But again, again, we are the light of the world. And all this light, not the physical lights, but the light that is sitting in these seats. Have we gotten so content with this that it doesn't break our heart anymore? That there really are people living in darkness. Because I don't know about you, but I sure am glad 
that someone had compassion on me. Because I was once living in darkness. I was once lost. And if they had not had compassion on me, I don't know where I'd be right now. See, there's something about being saved. There's, there's something about being set free and something about being snatched from death to life that, that, that you just can't help but share this life with other people. Have you and I lost the compassion to share? What does it mean to be a church that is marked by its love and compassion for lost people, for people who don't know God and people who haven't seen and people who haven't heard? What, what does it mean for us to be marked by love and compassion for them? See, again, there's something about being saved, something about being marked by God that changes you. I heard, I heard a true story about this lady who was in Kenya, and she was at a mall in Kenya when there was this deranged gunman who walked into the mall and just opened fire, opened fire. And so as he opened fire, this woman, she fell between the aisles, and when she fell to the ground, she looked around and she noticed that there was a boy who was right there beside her, but he had been hit multiple times. She had not been hit. He had been hit multiple times. He's bleeding out and she watches as he takes his last breath and dies. So she doesn't know what to do. She hears the gunman walking up and down the aisles. And so in a panic, she reaches over to this little boy's, this boy's pool of blood, and she begins to wipe his blood all over herself in a panic. That's what she's doing because this gunman is getting closer and closer to her. And when he gets there, she freezes. She freezes as if she's dead. And the gunman walks right past her and, and she isn't killed and she isn't killed for only one reason. And the reason she wasn't killed is because his blood saved her life. She was later interviewed by a news anchor, and that's what she said. She said, his blood saved my life, and I only have one regret, and that regret is I don't even know this boy's name. I never really even got to see his face, but his blood saved my life. I guess what I'm trying to tell you is that if you have been marked by the power of Christ, you need to know that it is his blood that has saved your life, and you do know his name. It's the name above all names. It's the name that at every Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that he is the Lord. And one day, you're going to see him face to face. And it's going to be amazing. And you're going to be able to say, thank you, Jesus. Your blood saved my life. It is a joy to be rescued. It is a joy to be saved. And that joy, that joy should cause us to go out and want to rescue other individuals and say, Jesus, I want to be a part of your movement. And so for that to happen, for that to happen, we've got to move when God moves. We've got to be moved by what moves God. And what moves God is lost people. He says, my heart breaks for them. I pray that we'll be that kind of church that our heart breaks for lost people. That we'll tell them, man, there's a better way to live. There's a better way to live. There's, there's something better. See, in Matthew chapter 9, Jesus, he's moved with compassion, but 
Then there's another part of his movement that you got to see. you got to see this. His movement not only involves a vision for the lost, but the second thing that I want you to see is that his movement involves a vision for diversity. A vision for diversity. See, he gives us another illustration in this text here, starting in verse 35. Let's look at it again. It says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to the disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. So Jesus gives this picture of the harvest. And again, he says, I've gone through all the towns. I've gone through all the villages. I've seen all kinds of people. The, the, the harvest is for all kinds of people in this world. It's for a diverse group of people. And we get an even clearer picture of this harvest in the book of Revelation. In Revelation chapter 7. In Revelation chapter 7, starting in verse 9, it talks to us about this harvest, about God's kingdom, and how if this is God's kingdom, it's really something that you and I should be pushing for here on earth. Because what does God tell us to pray? Jesus says, when you pray, pray, God, your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. So look at what he says in Revelation chapter 7 verse 9. Look at the Bible. It says, after this I looked and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, every tribe, every people and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing right robes and holding palm branches in their hand and they cried out in one voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. What's this vision? What is this vision? It's a vision of people from every tribe, every tongue, every nation, every race coming together and crying out with one voice that God is good. They're not fighting about racism, sexism, genderism, bathroomism, whatever you want to say. They're crying out in one voice. And what is it that brings them all together? What is it that unites them? It is, the, it is that salvation belongs to our God. Worthy is the lamb that was slain. See, see, see we, we are people who are bought with a price, at a high price, and we are saved by grace. And that is what brings us all together. This world is desperately seeking things that brings everyone together. They're wondering, is it sports that bring us all together? Of course not, because there's some people who like Ole Miss, and that's terrible. They should be state fans. It's not sports that bring us together. Do people like cars? No. Some people like trucks. That's not what does it. Is it Democrats? Is it Republicans? No, it's not any of that that brings us together. What is it that brings us together? It is Jesus Christ and the people of God need to be showing the world this is how you unite all people. It's about Jesus Christ and about proclaiming his name. Salvation belongs to our God. And that true core, that vision, again, it's what brings us together. It's what brings us together. So this movement that God has called us to be a part about, it's a vision. it involves a vision for the lost. It it involves a vision for diversity. And one more thing I want you to see, and I'm wrapping up. One more thing I want you to see. It involves a vision for something bigger. It involves a vision for something bigger. See, when I look back on my life, I see all those times that God tapped me and said, it's time 
to move. What I consistently see is that when God tapped me to move, he always called me to something more. And that something more was always better. But that something better was always something harder. Something harder. Like I told you last week, I've really been trying to watch what I eat. I went to the doctor a month or so ago and just wasn't really feeling well, actually. And so I went to the doctor and, um, you know, uh, come to find out, you know, I wasn't, probably wasn't feeling well because of all the junk I eat and drink. You know what I'm saying? Just all the trash. And, and, and here's the deal. Like, like, I love Coke. I really do. Um, I love Coca-Cola Classic. Not, anyway, Coca-Cola Classic. I'm going to be specific. Some of y'all are like, what? Not that. So I, I love Coca-Cola Classic, and uh, my nose is clean. Anyway, uh, I love Coca-Cola Classic. But see, I was drinking one, two, six or seven a day. I don't know. And apparently all that sugar, all that high fructose corn syrup is not good for you. Who knew? So since I've cut all that sugar, a lot of that sugar out of my life, I feel better, you know? But I'm going to tell you, like trying to, to get off that Coke, a Cola Classic, trying to get off that Coke, man, it was hard. I'd be at the house, and that 12-pack would call me. Psst, Robert, come get some. It was hard. It was hard to, hard to say no. I was having withdrawals. But seriously, this vision of a healthier and, and better me, it's wrapped up in a hard thing called diet and exercise. Diet and exercise. I, 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 know, it's, I know it's better for me, but it's hard. You know why? I like donuts. I just, there was a box back there today. I thought about, I opened it up just to smell it, you know. I didn't eat it. I praise the Lord. I persevered. But, but again, I know that I know that on the other side is something better. Something better is hard, it's, but it's something better. See, see, here's what I want you to understand: is that this movement that God's called us to be a part of, He says, "I'm consistently going to call you to bigger things, to better things, but they will be harder. Don't quit." See, for some of us, every time something hard happens in our lives, we quit. But God says, don't quit. I, I want to do great things in your life, he says. But you quit every time it gets hard. Don't quit. Keep going. The vision that God has for you, again, this, this movement for his church, Jesus looks at us and he pleads. Look at what he says. Look at what he says in, in Matthew chapter 9 again, starting in verse 35. It says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Jesus says there's this beautiful harvest, this plentiful harvest that needs people who will work it. Don't let the harvest spoil in the field. It's ready to be picked. 
It's ready to be picked. It needs some workers again who will do the hard work and work it. We are those workers. What, what he has for us is better. What he has for us is bigger, but it will be harder. Will you be one of the workers involved in his harvest? So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I don't know where you're at in your spiritual life. We're all in different places. But I know, I know that there's probably somebody here who doesn't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior today. I'm here to tell you today that Christ loves you. Christ died for you. He wants to give you a right relationship with God. And maybe today you you sense, you know what? It's time for me to give my heart to Him. It's time for me to give Him my life. It's time to surrender to Him. If that's you, I'm going to ask that you pray right where you are. Father, today, forgive me for all my sins. I confess Father, I need you. I need you to save me. Because, Father, the way that I've been living my life hasn't been working out very well. And so, Father, today I confess you as Lord. And I thank you for being willing to die for me because you love me so much. And I pray today that your Holy Spirit would empower me to be who it is that you want me to be. Father, make me into a new creation. When people see me, may they know that I'm different. And the difference is, today I am yours. We're going to continue to pray every head bowed, every eye closed. But if you prayed that prayer today to, to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, to be saved, I'm going to ask it right where you just lift your hand because I just want to know that God's working. Amen. 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 You pray to be saved today. God, you're so good. Father, thank you for moving today. Thank you for working today. Thank you for saving today. Father, and I also want to pray for each and every person in this room, Father. I pray that you would help them to realize that they are the salt of this earth, that they are the light of this earth. Father, and that you have called them to be a worker in the harvest. Father, I pray that they would use their life to draw others to you, Father, that they would use their life to tell others the good news, Father, that you died for them. Bless our efforts. Bless our efforts as we work for you, God. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.